What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonners. This is episode 52 and uh, yes, uh, welcome to another episode. Uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, a, a number of different subjects. Of course, we're going to be doing the usual NXT and NXT UK. We're looking forward to that. And of course, this is the first week of the NXT breakout tournament uh, round one, match one. We'll get more into that a bit later on. We're also going to be looking at a few hot topics of the week. I think there's been two main stories from the week, mainly coming out of WWE uh, and that's looking at the, the big changes to Raw and Smackdown as far as the introduction to the executive director's roles we'll talk about that very soon uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the the Twitter war between Seth Rollins and Will Ospreay but first of all uh, plug time as always so you can get in touch with us via our Twitter page and uh, just go on to Twitter our Twitter handle is withjohnners underscore pod of course, you can reach out to us on Instagram and check out all of the wonderful stuff we're doing on there. Instagram.com forward slash Wrestling With Johnners. And of course, the ever popular Facebook group, the Wrestling With Johnners Facebook group. Just go onto Facebook and search Wrestling With Johnners. That's J-O-H-N-E-R-S. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on pretty much all major podcast platforms. But don't forget, if you're listening to us on Apple iTunes, uh, don't forget to leave a five-star rating. Leave a few uh, nice comments there. We'll give you a shout-out on a future episode. Um, and, of course, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please don't forget to hit like, subscribe, share, and shout about the Wrestling With Jonas podcast. This is the only podcast for all of your weekly NXT, NXT UK needs. We do talk a lot about WWE Review the pay-per-views we don't go into the weekly shows too much um, but uh, we, we talk about uh, all the big shows from AEW, New Japan, Progress so we do cover a wide variety of wrestling from uh, the UK, WWE, NXT and pretty much around the world uh, so please spread the word tell your friends tell your family and help to grow this podcast uh, without your help to shout and share about this podcast we can't continue to produce quality content for all of you lovely li listeners every single week now we was going to have a guest host with us this week we was going to have Kieran Reid back on the podcast but uh, uh, situation changed at the last minute so um, I hope everything's all right with with Kieran and his family We'll hopefully get Kieran back on the podcast for a future episode. But as I alluded to earlier on, there's a couple of hot topics I wanted to talk about before we get into NXT Breakout Tournament and the uh, this week's episode of NXT and NXT UK. And uh, first of all, I wanted to touch on the Seth Rollins and Will Ospreay Twitter debacle, Twitter debate, whatever you want to call it, Twitter spat, as I refer to it, um, on the, the Facebook group earlier on. Now, it all started, I think it was a week ago today, um, so that would have been last, last Saturday, uh, the day before Stomping Grounds pay-per-view. So last Saturday, um, there, there was uh, a tweet sent out by Seth Rollins. Now, of course, Seth Rollins is the current WWE Universal Champion. Um, and uh, as we go through, you'll see Will Ospreay, the, the current New Japan IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, three-time Junior Heavyweight Champion, no less, and uh, a two-time winner of the Super J Cup. Um, but the, the situation started off fairly innocently. Um, uh, last Saturday night, as I said, uh, Rollins sent out a tweet saying, best pro wrestling on the planet. Um, I'm assuming that he was referring to uh, the WWE, what what uh, he uh, produces in the WWE or, or the WWE in general, I suppose, when you look at it under one umbrella, NXT, NXT UK, WWE 205 Live. Um, a couple of days after that, so obviously on the Sunday, the day after his initial tweet, you had Stomping Grounds pay-per-view, and I enjoyed that pay-per-view. Um, some interesting booking in certain matches, but on the whole, I think that it was a pay-per-view that could be considered a very good pay-per-view. Some, um, you know, good development for new up-and-coming wrestlers. Certainly with the cruiserweight match, with Drew Gulag going over and uh, becoming the new WWE cruiserweight champion in his match against Tony East, former champion of course, and Akira Tozawa. That was on the pre-show, but uh, certainly getting a lot of attention, and uh, a lot of people has actually seen that show, and I think that a lot of people will actually recognise that 205 Live has become a much, much better, much more watchable product over recent weeks and months. I think that uh, there's a lot more attention being put into the, the characters, one or two storylines and the matches are always fantastic and uh, it's kind of a, a bit like uh, kind of the 
the, the best kept secret, to be honest with you, because 205 Live used to be a bit of a, a laughing stock, especially with the, the the low crowds. Now, I can't imagine the crowd, crowds are, are fantastic even now, because if you look at shots of people that are there to watch SmackDown Live, you've got one half um, of the arena kind of tarped off, usually the, the hard camera side, and everybody kind of ushered into the side where the hard camera points into, so the kind of the other two and a half, three sides of the arena, uh, much in the same way they used to do with TNA and Impact. Um, but um, And 205 Live, of course, will be aired live after SmackDown. Um, so, but, but, but what they're being able to do more recently is produce a fantastic product with great matches um, and quite interesting, compelling characters. Uh, long gone are the days of when you had Enzo Amore as your 205 or Cruiserweight champion. So anyway, that match uh, really set uh, a lot of tongues wagging about the Cruiserweights and 205 Live. But on the whole, getting back to the original subject, Stomping Grounds was a really good pay-per-view. Forget the fact that Lacey Evans was the special guest referee for the main event. I understand why the WWE did that, and I actually fully support them. I think that it was a really good heel move, a good heel tactic to further a storyline. Um, and it got a lot more heat on Baron Corbin. It got a lot of heat on Lacey Evans. Seth Rollins still won the match. Becky Lynch is now involved in that kind of four-way uh, storyline. Um, and it looks like we're going to have a uh, intergender or a mixed match match. Uh, yeah, mixed match match. <laughs> mixed match challenge match at uh, the next pay-per-view, Extreme Rules. It looks like it's going to be Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans versus Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. And there's a chance that uh, Becky and Seth's world titles are going to be put on the line in like a winner-takes-all scenario. So anyway, after um, a, a very good Stomping Grounds pay-per-view, the very next day, Seth Rollins followed up from his initial tweet two days prior where he said, best pro wrestling on the planet. And his second tweet read as follows. Doubling down, best pro wrestling on the planet. See that Cruiserweight triple threat? And that's just one night, one match amongst the many. I find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do it as often as I do it. You can't. Hashtag WWE Stomping Grounds. Hashtag Universal Champion. So, um, the same day, I believe, uh, Will Ospreay, uh, famous UK independent wrestler who has made his name over the last three years in New Japan. As I mentioned, he's current three-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. He's a two-time uh, Best of the Super J Cup winner. Uh, he won it uh, 2016 and uh, this year, 2019, of course. Uh, Will Ospreay responded, two words, I'm alive. And tweeted it back at uh, Seth, Seth Rollins. Uh, Seth then retorted, Ah, I'm sorry little guy. We've already got a better version of you here. And he's just won his first US title tonight. In brackets, congrats King Ricochet. Keep working hard though, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> then the Twitter war, war between these two extends to how many dates per year each one of them wrestles, with Seth, Seth saying that he wrestles 300 days per year, which he probably did, um, uh, probably has, while Osprey responded that he's wrestled 250, so not a, a, a massive world of differences there between the two. Um, Seth Rollins responded... Uh, I mean, if you want to talk numbers, we can compare bank accounts too. P.S. That's counting a month off with a broken neck. Thumbs up, buddy. So, immediately, Seth Rollins has been a little bit condescending, disrespectful towards Will by calling him buddy and little guy. Uh, Will Ospreay responds again with a tweet of his own. You love adding stuff, don't you? I mean, the original question was, find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do it, as often as I do it. No talk of money, no talk of ricochet. You said anyone. Here I am. Just as consistent, just as good. Hope the back heals up. So that was a response from Will Ospreay to Seth Rollins. So I have to say that uh, I enjoy watching both Seth and Will. I do feel that Seth came across as condescending and disrespectful, as I just mentioned, towards Will Ospreay during this Twitter exchange. On the other hand, as mentioned in my Stomping Grounds review, episode 51, check that out in the archives. Um, I also get that Seth Rollins is a locker room leader and that he takes an awful lot of pride in what he does and possibly feels attacked with all the negativity towards WWE over, over recent months. And uh, although much of the negativity has mainly been due to the poor storylines, 
poor scripted promos, sloppy booking, 50-50 wins. Um, You could tell when Ricochet won the US title at Stomping Grounds that Seth was there as the locker room leader. He was backstage with other WWE superstars and it was great to see Ricochet get the congratulations from Seth from Charlotte Flair, from Heavy Machinery, from others. Um, I do believe that Seth's sense of pride and passion for what the WWE does and for what he does on a nightly basis may have overflowed into a condescending Twitter spat between these two, especially with Seth calling Will Buddy and Little Guy. Will Ospreay then did an interview with uh, Sports Illustrated, so a day or so uh, later. Uh, so this was on the on the Wednesday, I believe. So speaking to Sports Illustrated... Uh, Osprey stood his ground. He said that uh, my championship, referring to the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, is a little more prestigious than your championship, referring to Seth WWE Universal Championship, which has only been around for about three years. Um, more power to him, referring to Seth Rollins. Good luck, but my string of matches from this year alone has a lot more people talking. Uh, about what I can do, and I'll focus on that instead of what Seth Rollins is doing on social media. Then, Will continued, yeah, you're in the road 300 days a year. Sorry I'm not, I'm doing 250. His response was to say, little guy, uh, I'm the same bloody height as you, Will uh, Osprey responded. Then he said, uh, he has Ricochet, a better version of me. Why is he involving someone else? Ricochet is the man. And he's one of the best at his style. Um, But why get him involved? This is between me and you. I feel like Rollins has uh, has respect for me, and I've got respect for Rollins. Uh, I'd love to have a match with him one day, but right now, that's not my vision. Will then uh, went on to talk about his up-and-coming match in the G1 against Lance Archer on the 6th of July in Dallas, Texas, with Will feeling as though he has reached his prime already. Um, He carried on with the uh, Sports Illustrated article, I thought I'd maybe get there in five years. I'm in my prime right now, in the best shape I've ever been. The company is putting their trust in me to perform at a high level. I have an opportunity to really shine and bring some attention to New Japan, and that is my mission. The man, known as the aerial artist, has uh, subtly changed his style to more map-based offence to to balance out his unparalleled air attack. Well, unparalleled, yes, but we are uh, also uh, kind of mentioning Ricochet in the same kind of hot topic article here. Uh, Will goes on uh, in the Sports Illustrated article, my body is worn down. on the independence, I worked maximum four times a week, but here in Japan, I work four, five, six times a week. I started lifting uh, weights about 10 months ago and I got stronger. I realized I could pick up these big guys, the heavyweights, and ground them. Uh, that's what they do to me, so now I plan on matching them on the ground. So, uh, in my opinion, I think Will Ospreay came out looking slightly better um, of the two from this Twitter exchange, and maybe you could say the slightly more mature of the two. Uh, But I could clearly see that Rollins is passionate and driven about what he does and what the WWE does as a whole and wants to defend it and the WWE every cost. As mentioned before, WWE have taken a battering from everybody recently, mainly due to poor creative, and we've spoken about that over many episodes here on the podcast. However, much of that could be changing very soon, and we'll talk more about that in the next Hot Topic um, segment coming up next. Uh, But more than anything... Couldn't we just kind of fantasy book um, a match between Seth Rollins and Will Ospreay? Um, who would win? That would be amazing. I put up a, t- a, t- a Facebook poll on uh, the Wrestling Jonas Facebook page a couple of days back, um, asking, you know, off the back of this Twitter exchange between Seth Rollins and Will Ospreay, who might uh, win if they were ever pitted together. Now, it could happen somewhere down the line. You never know. You might see Will in the WWE at some point in the future. He's only 24 at a minute, 25. 25. So it's uh, not beyond the realms of possibility that in the next four or five years he could end up in the WWE. Now he he's certainly not planning to leave New Japan anytime soon. He kind of sees that and openly describes it as kind of the, the, the pinnacle of the wrestling business at the moment in terms of the match quality and you know the, the crowds that they garner and uh, yeah, I'd say the rivalries and that, that it's kind of more of a, a serious sports based. Um, 
federation uh, wrestling promotion but just imagine one day um, and it's not beyond the realms of possibility and obviously they've, they've you know had this exchange now so they know they're aware of each other they, they know of each other um, they know um, obviously that they have respect for one another for what each other's achieved um, but there is that sense of rivalry and that sense of competition and just like you know the fantasy booking will we ever see for example New Day versus the Young Bucks uh, will we ever see Brock Lesnar versus Matt Riddle will we ever see Seth Rollins versus uh, Will Ospreay never say never so moving on to the second hot topic and this uh, on Thursday there was uh, I think it was it was it was kind of announced by um, somebody in Sports Illustrated once again, and, and within kind of minutes, it was all around the wrestling world, all around the wrestling community on social media. And that was that the WWE have announced two new roles within their kind of creative uh, positions, and that they have uh, announced a an executive director for both Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live. And uh, the, the the two names that were brought up. Paul Heyman, who'd be the executive director for Raw, and Eric Bischoff, who'll be the executive director for SmackDown. Now, both Heyman and Bischoff um, have had success with ECW and WCW, respectively, throughout the 90s. So, you know, 20-plus years ago, 25-plus years ago, uh, these two were not necessarily going head-to-head, but they were the kind of... The, the head honchos, the people in charge of the competition to the WWF to Vince McMahon at the time through the 90s. Both Heyman and Bischoff joined the WWE in the early 2000s. Heyman as a on-air uh, commentator in 2001. I remember that. Uh, you know, a fantastic pay-per-view WrestleMania X7, WrestleMania 17, where it was Heyman and Jim Ross, and it's possibly described as, you know, the best pay-per-view of all time and possibly the best uh, outing from uh, a commentary pairing of all time as well and I'd, I'd kind of I'd, I'd back that up as well I'd support that argument uh, then in between 2002 and 2004 Heyman helped backstage with the creative and the storylines and the booking for Smackdown uh, and was responsible for making Smackdown the must-see WWE program every single week it was out drawing monday night raw in the ratings it was outperforming um raw um creatively and uh yeah i mean with compelling storylines top tier stars such as kurt angle chris benoit eddie guerrero to say just just a few names um you know the, the tazzes of this world uh i think yes um the undertaker Brock Lesnar was on SmackDown at the time. Uh, so uh, an amazing array of talent between those two or three years um, until Heyman stepped down from his creative role and eventually parted ways with the company in 2006. Um, of course, Heyman um, rejoined the company in 2012 as a on-air talent. Um, when he returned, he he's only ever really been seen as an on-air talent as the advocate for his client Brock Lesnar of course uh, but more recently he's been getting more involved with helping several on-screen storylines uh, most notably Becky and Ronda and Charlotte's storyline leading up to their Wrestlemania match um, this April of course and uh, I know that from reports that Paul Heyman was heavily heavily involved in that creative and that storyline and that booking uh, we all know that Bischoff was the executive producer in charge of WCW during the 90s when they were on a tear signing many of the big names from WWF uh, coming up with the NWO concept and of course leading WCW into the 83 week winning streak against the WWF during the now infamous Monday Night Wars similar to Heyman Bischoff has, you know, has had a, an on-screen role between 2002 to 2005 with the WWF, WWE. Um, but this will be their first kind of. The first time that these two former enemies, competitors to the WWF, competitors to Vince McMahon will be joining Vince in a senior creative role. So we've seen the three of them on an on-air capacity, um, but uh, we've not had Heyman and Bischoff in an official behind-the-scenes creative role, in a senior role, and they will be in a senior role. Um, so I, I just what I want to do is I just want to read the, the kind of uh, WWE.com 
post that was put out there on Thursday. Um, and this, along with the Sports Illustrated um, breaking news alert, kind of got everybody excited for these roles. So it, from the WWE.com website, it says WWE has named Paul Heyman as executive director of Monday Night Raw and Eric Bischoff as the executive director of SmackDown Live, a newly created positions reporting directly to WWE chairman and CEO Vince McMahon. In their executive roles, Heyman and Bischoff will oversee the creative development of WWE flagship programming and ensure integration across all platforms and lines of business. The creation of these roles further establish WWE's ability to continuously reinvent its global brand while providing, while providing two distinct creative processes for its flagship shows. So, um, yes, it says there they're going to be reporting directly to Vince McMahon and normally there's kind of layers you've obviously got the the writers maybe the, the producers um, or the or the agents to help to put the matches together you've got uh, Kevin Dunn um, who's one of the executive producers tends to work in the truck you've got as Vince McMahon you've got Triple H and Stephanie and I don't think Shane's in so much of a creative role he's more of a kind of an on-screen personality nowadays but there's all these layers um but uh, yeah, it looks like they are going to be put in charge of creative for their respective shows. So Heyman in charge of Raw, Bischoff in charge of SmackDown. Um, and I'm assuming that they will each have a team of writers coming up with the storylines, hopefully kind of integrating and collaborating with the talent, with the wrestlers and with the, the, the agents so that they can kind of be that final that, that final kind of green light um, and, and maybe the, the also, also the person to give the direction and give the focus and to give the kind of overall creative uh, focus, vision, I suppose, for want of a better word, for how they want their respective shows to go. And you, you're possibly even going to get a bit of competition between the two brands. I mean, Heyman is a very, very competitive guy. We know that from his uh, ECW days and the work that he did with uh, WWE as mentioned, uh, more in a creative role, um, more in, a, in an on-screen talent role. We know how competitive Bischoff is, um, you know, from the legacy that he left behind with uh, WCW, whether it is a, a good leg legacy. It certainly was a fantastic legacy when the NWO came along and they had that hot winning streak and Bill Goldberg tearing through the talents and, uh, you know, the outsiders coming in to disturb, um, upset the apple cart with Nash and Hall and, Hogan turn in heel, all of that that went over uh, many, many years um, that, that basically put the WWF on the verge of possibly going out of business during that kind of mid to late 90s period where WCW was on such a hot run. And now they're, you know, they're going to be working in these high profile creative positions. Like I say, it's, it's that final piece of the puzzle before it gets to Vince McMahon now that's kind of the the main uh, hurdle here is is being able to get their thoughts their visions their storylines their ideas on screen past the Vince McMahon filter essentially now Vince McMahon you know going forward he might have more of his time taken up uh, with the XFL which relaunches um, I think it relaunches later on this year I'm not mistaken so uh, before the end of the year the XFL will be uh, back on our screens you've already got uh, Bruce Pritchard there who was kind of Vince McMahon's one of Vince McMahon's right hand men in the late 80s and through the 90s um, and into the 2000s in his various stints I know that he's had about 23 years all in all with the WWE alongside Vince McMahon he's rejoined um, in kind of high profile creative position so it's kind of like uh, what was old is now new again with, uh, you know, these iconic figures, these iconic figureheads of their respective brands that they helped to build and establish through the 90s, now side by side with Vince McMahon. And uh, yeah, is it a direct response to the AEW factor to, you know, could it really be McMahon, Bischoff and Heyman against... Uh, their competition as they see it nowadays the Bucks, Cody and maybe Omega in their executive roles with uh, with AEW and, and Tony Khan can be added into that mix as well so it's all very interesting um, but I think it's a good thing I mean there, there's been a lot of de 
debate about whether it's a positive thing, whether it's the right thing to do, whether it's a, um, a positive thing to do. I personally believe it is. I think that Vince McMahon, what he needs to do is he does need to take a little bit of a back step. And of course, you've got uh, another very creative mind in there with, with Triple H, who you know helps out uh, in the live production of Raw and SmackDown when he's not uh, being the figurehead of NXT, which we all know is is an amazing, an amazing product. Um, and I think that with the with this kind of really very very uh, talented creative team that they're building now behind the scenes, there's no reason why the product won't continue to improve. You know that the storylines should improve from now on. Will it give the talents, the lesser used talents, more opportunity? Or will we see more of the the Bobby Roods, the Chad Gables, the Buddy Murphys, the Mustafa Ali's? Will we see all these wrestlers that haven't been utilised so much in in you know being have more on screen presence? I mean, one thing I was very pleased, and I said this to Tommy from Watch Along Wrestling, who is my guest host for episode fifty one, the Stomping Grounds pay per view review, is I said that it was great. The Stomping Grounds pay per view was great to kind of give us uh, more of a spotlight on Heavy Machinery, who I thought looked great even in defeat against Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. I thought the, uh, you know, the, the Cruiserweight match, that unveiled some potential new superstars that shone a spotlight on them and kind of made them, uh, not just for that night, but going forward, people are going to be more familiar with, with Drew Gulak and Akira Tozawa and Tony Nese because of the quality of that match. Um, and I think, you know, of course, the proof is in the pudding. We'll have to see. Um, but uh, I'm optimistic to see how this goes. Now, uh, there's been reports recently that um, that they've already started in their new roles. Um, and uh, they were backstage this past Monday and Tuesday, kind of just getting to grips with what their role might be. And from this Monday and Tuesday, um, they'll be in the driver's seat. So it'll be interesting to see what changes are made. It may not be evident straight away. It may take a few weeks or uh, maybe a month or two for things to bed in and for the storylines to develop. And uh, um, But um, even more recently, I, I think that the WWE product has got a little bit more intriguing, a little bit edgier as well. Um, I mean, how many times did they use the word us, uh, ass, um, <laughs> during the stomping grounds build-up and, and pay-per-view? And uh, so, yeah, maybe they're kind of thinking, well, yeah, we need to start uh, um, evolving now, and we need to start showing off what talent we have. They have the most talented, stacked wrestling roster of any wrestling promotion in the history of wrestling when you look at what they've got in developmental what they're presenting to us on a weekly basis in nxt and nxt takeovers and on the nxt uk brand 205 live each week on raw and smackdown you've got over 200 wrestlers on the payroll to the wwe and they've snapped up snapped up so much indie talent so many top names from the indie uh from the indie circuit and we'll be talking about some of those in the next few weeks when we get stuck into the nxt breakout tournaments which uh um first round this week and we'll be, we'll be talking about that of course very soon with the first match um but uh now we need people that can t- take a little bit of the load off of it and start making some of the the bigger tougher decisions and start you know giving us giving the fans a little bit more about what they want and uh, yes still catered to the PG audience but also catered to the hardcore fans that are going to buy pay-per-view uh, you know tickets going to subscribe to the network and are going to buy you know a seat in their arena shows or in their pay-per-views or in their Wrestlemanias and uh, you know if you don't cater to the hardcore audience the audience that's going to uh, you know pay for the product week in week out then you would lose that audience to the alternative there we go so we've spoken about the, the twitter war between seth rollins and will osprey we've spoken about um Heyman and bischoff in their new executive director's role it's all very very exciting and uh yes it certainly makes me quite excited for the future to see what uh, is around the corner for wrestling in general wrestling in general isn't it a great time to be a wrestling fan right now um let's have a look at uh, more wrestling so um 
As always, uh, every single week I review uh, the, the weekly NXT and NXT UK shows that are presented to us on the WWE Network. And let's get stuck into this past Wednesday's NXT UK. And of course it was filmed, uh, they filmed a, a few weeks worth of the NXT UK TV product at the Download Festival, so the music festival um, in the UK. And uh, yes, uh, many of my Wrestling Regionas listeners were there and kept me updated throughout the three days about what, uh, what action was going on in the NXT and NXT UK ring under the shelter there at, uh, at um, Download. And uh, yeah, unlike this weekend where it's blazing hot sunshine, 30 degree weather, and you've got Glastonbury uh, just down the road from where I live. Last well, couple of weekends ago during download, it was torrential rain and uh, not very nice conditions at all. So this week's show starts with footage of uh, Travis Banks getting ready for his main event match later on in this episode when uh, he takes on Walter uh, in a one-on-one match for the WWE UK Championship. Banks states that tonight the Kiwi buzzsaw is prepared, prepared to take on Walter. Let's hope he is. The first match of the evening is Mark Andrews versus Joseph Connors. So uh, about four minutes into the match, Andrews gets a, a two count from a standing moonsault. Connors hits a buckle bomb and a front face slam for another two count of his own this time. Andrews ends turned uh, an attempted suplex from Connors into a stun dog millionaire. Pretty sweet move uh, before going up for up, up to the top turnbuckle um, to deliver his trademark shooting star press. He hooks the leg of Joseph Connors, gets to one, two, three. So I thought this was a pretty good opener, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I quite like Mark Andrews. Oh, I'm a bigger fan of his wrestling than I am his character. He hasn't really got much of a character as far as I'm concerned. Um, I kind of uh, like him when he's with Flash Morgan Webster. I think that that tag team shows a lot of promise if they continue to tag together. And I think the Flash kind of brings a little bit more of the, the personality to that duo. But I am a fan of Mark Andrews, don't get me wrong. Um, Joseph Connors, I've said before on this podcast, he needs a bit more character development, and they have tried. They've tried with uh, backstage promos and vignettes, and his character isn't quite coming across. It should be menacing. It should be moody. He just doesn't quite have that kind of dark, menacing uh, heel presence from what I can see at the moment. So a little bit more work to be done there. Um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a bad opener, to be honest with you. Um, the match picked up towards the end. Uh, but uh, yeah, give give that much um, some of your time. I thought it was all right, a, a good opener, and the download crowd seemed to enjoy it anyway. Then we see the uh, the Imperium, Imperium um, stable, Imperium. Yes, get it right, John. Uh, getting Walter ready for his championship match later on against the Kiwi Buzzsaw. Then we see the Hunt, the tag team comprised of uh, Primates and Wild Boar. Um, they're kind of going schizo they're going crazy after their loss to Gallus last week and they're going crazy kind of out in the field backstage somewhere download uh, before Dave Mastiff comes up he approaches uh, the hunts uh, to effectively join forces with Primate and the Wild Boar uh, for a future match with all three members with, with the Gallus stable in the coming weeks and uh, that match um, was announced to it's going to take place next week so we'll be covering it right here on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast next week then we see the grizzled young veterans, Zach Gibson and James Drake, that come out onto the rampway. Um, they, they tell the fans at Download that they will be, they will not be appearing in a field full of dirty, sweaty goths. Uh, if they look closely, both Gibson and Drake have uh, shopping bags over their feet covering th their shoes, which I thought was quite amusing, and they looked uh, pretty dapper in their uh, tailored suits with their NXT UK tag team gold and uh, shopping bags around their shoes. Gibson continues and he says um, that they do not want to be at download any longer than they need to be uh, and want to return to their five-star luxury hotel, put their feet up, put their kettle on and listen to some Ben Howard. Uh, and they will not be returning until they have to defend their championships against Mustache Mountain. And that match will take place next week again uh, on NXT UK. So we've got two matches lined up for NXT UK. And this one is a big one. Grizzled Young Veterans will be defending their NXT UK Tag Team Gold against former NXT Tag Team Champions. They've not been the NXT UK Tag Champs. There's only been one of those. And that's GYV. 
but Mustache Mountain, uh, Tyler Bates, Trent Seven will be going up against Grizzled Young Veterans next week on NX2K, and that will definitely be a match to tune in to watch. Fading that, just listen to the podcast. I'll cover it here on Wrestling with Jonas. We then get a video package detailing the rivalry between former NXT UK Women's Champion, the first ever Women's Champion here in NXT UK, Rhea Ripley and Piper Niven. And we'll be getting a a match um, between these two next week on NXT UK 2. So it looks like we've got pretty much our full lineup set for next week's NXT UK. We've got uh, the Hunt and Dave Mastiff against Gallus. We've got Rhea Ripley versus Piper Niven. And we've got Mustache Mountain taking on the Grizzled Young Veterans for the Tag Team Gold. So yeah, next week's episode is looking stacked already. Our second match of the night on NXT UK, uh, Killer Kelly versus Zaya Brookside. So this is a rematch from a match that uh, took place about three or four weeks ago. Now the last time we saw these two in the ring... um, as I said, about three or four weeks ago, when Killer Kelly left Zion Brookside for dead, all alone in the ring to battle, um, she wasn't really debuting, just making a kind of first uh, on-screen appearance for a number of years, Jazzy Gabbett, along with Ginny, um, and uh, that was when Jazzy kind of laid waste to Zion Brookside. Now, this is Zion's chance to get a little bit of her own back, a little payback on Killer Kelly for abandoning her um, although they was uh, kind of in a one-on-one encounter um, Zaya was kind of looking towards Killer Kelly to kind of back her up when Jazzy and Ginny came down that didn't happen so here's kind of the, the rematch and a uh, chance for Zaya to get a little bit of uh, comeuppance however the match is only two minutes in when we get Ginny and Jazzy Gabbert once again they come out onto the rampway caused a bit of distraction didn't go any further than the rampway however uh, caused a distraction for Zaya Brookside. Killer Kelly sees an opportunity, rolls her up for the win, but doesn't get the three count. Zaya Brookside is able to kick out on two, allowing her to then uh, beautifully connect with a code breaker for the pinfall victory of her own. Um, that was an impressive win for Zaya Brookside, despite the distraction, as I said, from Ginny and, and Jazzy coming out to the ramp- rampway. I wonder where this might lead between Zaya Brookside, Ginny and Jazzy. There's certainly something going on uh, between the heel combo and Zaya Brookside. Will Zaya find another partner to go up against the heel duo? I know that uh, Zaya Brookside went up against Jazzy Gabbett and Ginny a couple of weeks back and she had Isla Dawn as her tag partner. That didn't play out too well for them. I think uh, Isla Dawn got destroyed by Jazzy Gabbett uh, and pinned by Ginny. Um, but uh, will, will Zaya Brookside find another tag team partner? Will Zaya have to take on both Ginny and Jazzy Gabbett in like a, a gauntlet style match? Or maybe you know one uh, Jazzy one week and Ginny the next? We will have to see. One thing is for sure, I'm intrigued to see where this leads. Uh, There's a a nice little storyline going on here between these three, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Then we get Tony Storm. Uh, Tony Storm is asked about uh, uh, her thoughts about Kaylee Ray winning the Women's Battle Royal on last week's NXT UK to be crowned the new number one contender to Tony's title. Tony says that uh, Kaylee uh, can have her shot at Shiny Shiny. That's uh, Tony's new name for her championship bout, and that it will be Tony time when Kaylee Ray gets her opportunity in just two weeks' time. So not only do we have the full lineup, or pretty much a full lineup, I believe, for next week's NXT UK, but we've also got the start for uh, uh, the following week so in two weeks time we will have Tony Storm defending her NXT UK Women's Championship against Kaylee Ray and uh, in my opinion that's a match that could have been saved for TakeOver Cardiff you never know something might happen in two weeks time where we do get a rematch at TakeOver Cardiff but nonetheless that should be an amazing match our next match of the night uh, in this episode of NXT UK is Noam Dar versus Laguero. so I'm not sure about anybody else but I find Noam Dar incredibly annoying I think Part of his personality and gimmick is that he is annoying. Yeah, let's you know, let's not uh, you know, admit our words. He's a bit of a dick. Uh, now, does that make him a good heel? Uh, is he just doing his job really, really well? Possibly so. Uh, I don't like him. Um, that possibly does make him a really good heel uh, because he does wind me up something chronic with how he kind of winds people up in the ring. How he's a wind up merchant. 
the dispatcher uh, starts to pick up when uh, Liguero gets the first two count of the match after a drop kick to the face of Noam Dar. Then Kenny Williams comes out uh, to the ring to scout Noam Dar after their little confrontation on last week's episode of NXT UK. Liguero nails Dar with a, uh, a, a wicked clothesline, turning Noam Dar inside out. Liguero goes for his C4L. Dar turns it into an ankle lock, and Dar gets a close near fall from a fisherman buster. That was a pretty impressive sequence of moves, and Dar getting a close near fall. They're nearly getting the three count on Liguero. Dar sets up for the Nova Roller, which Liguero reverses into a boot to the midsection. Liguero then caught, gets caught in the ropes. Uh, Dar goes for a top rope manoeuvre, appearing to land awkwardly. Um, remember, um, a couple of months back, he had a match with Mark Andrews where both wrestlers had to get stretched out. And Noam Dar did actually injure his knee, took him a couple of months to recover. Um, so uh, people thought it was maybe a reoccurrence of that, landing awkwardly off of that top rope jump. Um, but then as the referee was distracted with Liguero, Noam Dar started to signal to Kenny Williams, who was sat on the outside, and for, for Kenny to hand Dar the, the steel chair, that, that's what Noam Dar wanted to happen, uh, so he could use the steel chair on Liguero. Williams came to the ring, steel chair in hand, but before Noam Dar could take the chair out of Kenny Williams's hand, Williams pulls the chair away from Dar, allowing Liguero to then... Get the roll-up on the Scottish Supernova for the pinfall victory. So that was a, a nicely booked match. I thought that was quite fun. Um, nice bit of uh, involvement there from Kenny Williams. Uh, I always enjoy watching Liguero. And uh, I think I'm becoming more of a fan of Noam Dar's heel persona. It doesn't mean to say I like him. It means that I appreciate what he does as a heel. Um, but I think he's doing a really good job as a heel because I can't stand him. So that must that must mean that, surely. So uh, that was a really big victory for Liguero, but expect to see Kenny Williams go up against Noam Dar in a match against one another very soon. Then we're on to our main event, Travis Banks versus Walter, and of course Walter is the WWE United Kingdom champion, and it's for Walter's gold. So uh, Travis looks ready for his championship match, and remember that Banks earned his title shot against Walter by beating three other wrestlers in a fatal four-way number one contenders match a few weeks ago. And... Uh, uh, how he has to go up against, you know, the man who defeated um, Travis Banks for Travis's. Travis is a former Progress World Champion, and he has to go up against the man who took the Progress World title away from him, uh, the Ring General, current Progress World Champion, current WWE UK Champion, the leader of Imperium, Walter. So this is going to be an epic match and a real trial for Travis Banks. Now Travis goes to work on Walter uh, with a series of stiff kicks to the left leg of the ring general. However Walter soon, soon turns the tide by catching Banks in midair from a running crossbody um, as if he was a child. Now I think that Walter um, is over a hundred pounds heavier uh, than Travis Banks. Two different styles of wrestlers, of course, uh, but uh, with uh, Walter catching Banks from the running crossbody, this allowed Walter to bend Banks. He, he put him over the top turnbuckle, and this is one of his moves. You may have seen him do it against Pete Dunne at TakeOver New York, WrestleMania weekend, of course, where he just literally bends the, his opponent's back across the top turnbuckle. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in Travis Banks' shoes during that move. Walton then drops uh, Travis with a big boot to the face and a wicked forearm uppercut. Travis eventually kicks the big Austrian to the canvas before hitting a shiny wizard and a drop kick to the chest. Travis then connects with a, a huge double stomp from the top turnbuckle, only managing to get a two count uh, from that move. Banks is caught by Walter before being turned into a Boston Crab. Uh, Walter then goes to work with a series of stiff forearm smashes to the chest. However, Banks goes for the slice of heaven uh, with Walter rolling out of harm's way after the move. Um, thus meaning that Travis Banks couldn't uh, pin Walter as Walter kind of rolled underneath the bottom rope. Walter then gets tied up in the ropes before... Um, Banks drop kicks Walter to the outside and then follows up with a really impressive dive through the ropes onto Walter on the outside to really loud NXT chant. So at this point, the fans are thinking that Travis Banks has got a chance. Still on the outside, however, Walter uh, kind of gains control of the match very, very quickly um, with a, a huge chest chop or a chop to the chest. Now, we all, uh, Jack Stars has probably still got the handprint 
the outline of Walter's handprint from Walter's debut a few months back. Um, and uh, the Kiwi buzzsaw suffered one of those chops here um, outside the ring. So with the Kiwi buzzsaw doubled over in pain, Walter saw the opportunity, picks him up and power bombs the Kiwi buzzsaw onto the ring apron before rolling the banks back into the ring, delivering a second power bomb. Uh, this time in the centre of the ring, Walter putting his full body weight onto Travis Banks as he covers for the pinfall victory to retain his WWE UK Championship. So that was a tough match. You could see that Walter went through the ringer in that match and suffered just as much as Travis Banks. But it was Travis Banks on the losing end. Walter retains his championship. Uh, that was an excellent main event. No outside interference. Just really good action. Now, since Walter's joined uh, the WWE or NXT UK in particular, I've seen him in a few good matches. Definitely his match against Pete Dunne at takeover new york walter had a tremendous match against jordan devlin um i think it was just after wrestlemania so i think that might have been actually filmed at uh, access on the monday after wrestlemania that aired a few weeks later so that was an epic match and this match here against travis banks was also very very good now i've got my kind of uh, brain uh, working overtime trying to figure out who might be walter's opponent at takeover cardiff Honestly, I'd love it to be Pete Dunne in a rematch. I think he's kind of like still the only credible contender, possible opponent to Walter's crown. If it were to be anybody else, yeah, maybe Jordan Devlin in a rematch because uh, Jordan Devlin's match against Walter, although Walter was the champion at the time, was a non-title match. Um, and maybe, you know, give Travis Banks a chance. Could it be a four-way? Walter, Pete Dunne, Travis Banks, Jordan Devlin... I would not be disappointed if it was, but to any combination of those four men or uh, any combination of the, the three contenders going up against Walter will be a fantastic match at TakeOver Cardiff. So, let's have a look at NXT. Once again from this past Wednesday, just take a sip of water. And the show starts with a video package highlighting the big feud leading into tonight's main event between Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship uh, inside of a steel cage, ladies and gentlemen, inside a steel cage. <sighs> Shayna says that uh, she respects Io's fighting spirit, but she'll never respect Io's dumb decisions. Tonight, we'll see the beginning of the brand new NXT a breakout tournament, pitting eight of the brightest new signees to the NXT brand from over recent weeks. And the eight participants, as I highlighted, um, I think I went through this episode 50, as a matter of fact, but the eight participants are uh, Jordan Miles, formerly ACH from the kind of indie scene, American indie scene, Boa, who uh, is one of the... Uh, Chinese contingent who signed with NXT around 2016, 2017, so a big dude. Uh, Cameron Grimes, the former indie wrestler Trevor Lee, of course. Isaiah Swerve Scott, formerly Shane Strickland, who uh, I've got him pegged as my favourite for the tournament. And Dexter Loomis, the former Sam Shaw from uh, TNA and Impact Wrestling. Bronson Reed, who's a, a big dude from Australia, I believe. Um, he's a proper heavyweight out of the bunch. I think he weighs in at about 350 pound we got to angel gaza formerly uh, uh humberto gaza actually the, the the cousin of uh humberto curillo and um a, a member of the famous gaza wrestling family and we got joaquim wild formerly uh djz from tna impact and uh, now part of the nxt brand so the tournament brackets are as follows uh, dexter loomis will be taking on bronson reed that'll be a tough hard-hitting match for sure isaiah swerve scott my favorite for the tournament we've taken on cameron grimes the two big name from the indies squaring off in the first round there angel gaza versus joaquin wild and jordan miles um former ach uh, versus boa so uh the first round kicks off on this show and the first match of the first round um happens now Joaquim Wild versus Angel Gaza. So we hear uh, a pre-match promo from from Wild, Joaquim Wild, um, who said that he nearly died in 2017, ruining his perfect six-pack as he showed off kind of his midsection with, with a massive scar, pretty much from top to bottom. Um, I think he goes into detail about how that happened on the WWE PC YouTube channel. So check that out. 
Midis here in NXT to make a big name for himself. Angel Garza gets a big reaction as he comes out um, and after pointing to a fan in the front row signaling for a high five only to fake the fan out instead um, kind of uh, ducking the high five and then choosing to kiss the hand of a lady in the front row instead so that was quite fun. Um, Angel Garza is said to be as I said a uh, cousin of 205 Live superstar Humberto Carrillo um, however he is more uh, he's more familiar to those who might recognise his surname, of course, coming from the famous Gaza wrestling family. Uh, both of these wrestlers have been part of the developmental system for only a few short months, possibly only weeks in the case of uh, DJZ um, or Joaquin World in this case, um, but both have made names for themselves on the Indies, of course, now. I remember seeing Wacky Wild, formerly DJZ, at the Progress Show, Progress Chapter 86 in Birmingham in March. Um, he's had a lengthy career on the Indies uh, around the States and, of course, in Europe. Um, but uh, he's also uh, a regular feature in Impact uh, as DJZ, of course. And uh, he came down to the ring wearing his DJZ gear with kind of a, um, a, a vest and a kind of a helmet slash mask with lots of fairy lights all over it. It looks better than I'm describing, but it looks pretty good uh, as it changed colours and flashed um, all over the place as he was coming down to the ring. So it looks like that part of his gimmick of DJZ is going to continue. Uh, the match started at 100 miles per hour pace, as you would expect from two wrestlers of this caliber. Uh, Wild gets the first two count of the match from a, 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 a tilt to whirl con hero. Uh, Gaza hits a knee strike before ripping off his trousers, revealing a pair of red trunks underneath to yet another reaction from the full sale fans. Although Hector uh, Gaza or, or Angel Gaza is the heel in this match, um, I think he's getting a good reaction from the fans. Uh, appearing a little bit cocky as well, um, but uh, decided not to hook uh, Joaquin Wilde's leg on any of his covers, which uh, yeah may not bode too well for him in the future. Garza applies a straight jacket manoeuvre, which Wilde was able to reverse into a straight jacket of his own. So uh, tit for tat there. Wilde gets a two count of his own after some more innovative offence, followed by a dive through the ropes uh, from the ring apron onto Garza on the outside with Wilde landing perfectly on his feet that was another highlight of this already explosive match so to describe that ma uh, that move a little bit better you know when Sami Zayn used to kind of run on the outside and then through the turnbuckles to catch his opponent with a um, tornado DDT on the outside well it was similar to that but it was running across the ring apron through the turnbuckles and uh, connecting with a dive on the other side here, Wild uh, goes up to the top bunker, top turnbuckle where he is caught by Gaza, and Gaza executes an awesome Spanish fly, uh, nearly getting the three count from that move. Uh, Wild takes advantage of Gaza's uh, shock from not getting the pin pinfall from the Spanish fly, turning Gaza over into a crucifix. Once again, only getting a two count for his troubles. The end of the match comes shortly after, after Gaza nails Wild with a short-range drop kick to the head before connecting with a beautiful butterfly stunner for the one, two, three. So that match was amazing. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, only went nine or ten minutes, um, and uh, what a way to open this week's episode of NXT um, in the first round of uh, the NXT breakout tournament. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and if that's a sample of how this breakout tournament is going to go then give me more can't wait for more matches i think we're going to get uh, the other first round matches in the next three weeks then it'll go to the uh, uh, semi-final matches and then the final so it's going to take a couple of months to complete this tournament by the looks of it with the winner of the breakout tournament getting a uh, an opportunity to um, have a shot at any nxt title so it could be the north american championship it could be adam cole's NXT title. We then get a video package uh, about Kushida with Kushida telling us that the best in the world are right here in NXT and uh, I'm inclined to agree with him there and that uh, he wants to face everyone and every superstar. Um, so uh, yeah my thoughts on Kushida I think he's been absolutely fantastic we've seen him in a couple of matches against Drew Gulak and he's been on the winning end in both of them two matches both uh, very very good NXT TV matches his debut was against Katia Sono once again, another fantastic match. Uh, Kushida has not been on the losing end in any of his encounters. And I think uh, yeah, he's got a promise in future. He's got a good look. He's got a good entrance. He's got some good moves. Put him with the right opponent. I think you've got dynamite, definitely.
So then we get a little video package from uh, Damien Priest and Damien Priest tells us that unlike everybody else around here in NXT, the name Damien Priest will live forever. We shall see if that is the case. Um, I did quite enjoy his debut uh, a couple of weeks ago. Then we get uh, a match pitting brand new NXT Tag Team Champions of Street Profits against the Forgotten Sons. So uh, this is the first time that we've seen the Street Profits since they won the Tag Team Championship, that, that classic four-team ladder match at TakeOver 25 where Montez Ford and uh, Angelo Dawkins wrestled an outstanding match. And I think, yeah, it was an all-round brilliant performance from all four teams with the Profits coming out on top. So uh, this match here between the Profits and the Forgotten Sons was originally going to be a non-title match, but the Profits decided to put their titles on the line. The Forgotten Sons starts uh, with blistering pace with uh, Blake hip-tossing Cutler. Um, so hip-tossing his own partner into Montez Ford, who was draped across the second rope and got a two-count from that exchange. Dawkins soon gets tagged in from Montez Ford, going to work on Blake and Cutler. Dawkins... Uh, um, Hits Cutler with a spinebuster, allowing Ford to jump to the top turnbuckle to nail one of his patented frog splashes coming down uh, with, with an almighty frog splash. Um, but uh, as Ford goes for the cover, Jackson Riker grabs hold of Montez Ford's leg, dragging him out of the ring, um, immediately getting the disqualification win for the Street Profits and uh, the disqualification loss for the Forgotten Sons. So uh, uh, Jackson Riker getting, getting his own team disqualified there by getting involved. All three members of the Sons then go to work on Dawkins and Ford, only for only Lorkin and Danny Birch to run down to the ring to make the save. As the Forgotten Sons walk up the ramp, Lorkin and Birch pick up the NXT Tag Team titles. Remember, they're a babyface team. The Street Profits are a babyface team as well. But uh, Birch and Lorkin have the NXT titles in their hands. They eventually hand them over to Dawkins for Ford, but uh, not until Danny Birch tells them that these titles uh, belong to the Profits for now. But uh, remember that. Uh, but remember that they want them at some point in the future so i think that could be our next big feud for the street profits only Lorkin and danny birch right then we get a, a video clip hyping up the official return of former sanity member killian dane so as we mentioned on the facebook group a few weeks back killian dane former sanity member doing nothing on smackdown live with nikki cross and eric young and alexander wolf alexander wolf of course uh, now part of imperium on nxt uk eric young still doing very little apart from getting uh, beaten around the uh, all over the place by seth rollins chair a few weeks ago on on raw and uh, killian dane will now be making a presence as a singles wrestler um, and uh, this very short video package hyped up his return which will be in a few weeks time our next match yeah definitely a squash match nikos Rikos versus Keith Lee. So this match didn't go too long, to say the least, with Nickus starting the match with a chop to the chest of Keith Lee. That's possibly the worst thing you could ever do to a guy the size of Keith Lee. Um, so it's a move that uh, Rikos immediately regrets as Lee delivers a double-handed chop of his own before sending Nikos flying across the ring with a huge pounce. Keith Lee hoists Nikos onto his shoulders with ease before dumping him down to the canvas with the limitless uh, fireman's carry power slam for the 1-2-3. Before uh, Lee delivered the, fight, the finishing move, of course, um, he called out uh, that was uh, that that this is his NXT. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, he's now claiming that NXT belongs to him, um, but he, he's certainly trying to uh, yeah get a, a bit more of a prominent position on NXT. And this squash match um, did him no end of favours. Looked uh, very dominant, very, very powerful and impressive squash match victory for the limitless Keith Lee here. We then see clips of uh, from Adam Cole in his celebration tour, showing footage of Cole at Download over here in the UK, speaking to Corey Taylor from Slipknot before heading back to the US, uh, stopping at a diner called Gargano's, which I believe is the family-owned business, uh, family-owned diner run by Johnny Gargano's parents. So we'll probably see part two of this Adam Cole celebration tour next week, which should possibly be quite interesting as it might involve uh, Johnny Gargano's parents or their diner um 
Then we get the main event of this week's NXT. Io Shirai will be the number one contender going up against Shayna Baszler, the current NXT Women's Champion. And as mentioned at uh, the beginning um, of this review, inside a steel cage, no less. Now, in the build-up to this match, we've seen Candice LeRae and the other horsewomen get involved with kendo sticks, steel chairs, outside interference from all members. We saw Io Shirai go down at the hands of Shayna at TakeOver 25, thanks to Shayna's inevitable uh, coquina clutch. However, after the match, Shirai went crazy after TakeOver 25 um, and uh, hit Shayna with several very, very hard kendo stick shots, uh, finishing with a moonsault and a second moonsault with a steel care chair pinned to her chest as she landed on the champ. Uh, that looked painful, uh, but here we are inside a steel cage. So this match has been put inside of a steel cage, no less, to keep uh, out any outside interference, but uh, also plays in the favour of the champion, harking back to her success and her MMA days. Um, her success in the octagon, of course. Uh, so, Shayna definitely looked, you know, the, the match to her opponent using the cage to her advantage almost immediately uh, while hitting Shirai with body shots and punches to the back of the genius of the sky. Shirai gets in some offense, hitting the champ with repeated drop kicks to the body with a uh, Baszler being pinned up against the cage this time before getting a two count from a German suplex. Shirai gets in some uh, double knees in the corner before heading to the top of the cage, just being caught by Shayna, throwing Shayna to the canvas from the top. Uh, Shirai was quick to get back up, this time bringing Shayna back down to earth herself with a German suplex from the second turnbuckle, which looked very, very impressive. Marina Shafir and Justin Duke then come down, racing down to the ring. Baszler applies the Carafuda clutch to Shirai, however, Shirai kicks the cage door in an attempt to free herself but in you know in turn the cage door decks the referee on the outside and knocks the referee clean over um not to be seen again shirai then scales the cage only to be met by marina shafir on top of the cage who pulls eo hard down onto the edge of the cage so you've got eo shirai kind of just dangling there her body over one half her legs over the other half of the cage candice larray runs down um to assist eo uh, remember these two are friends with uh, duke helping shana to her feet inside the ring then, in a true Moa Mia moment, Candice LeRae at the top of the cage dives from the top of the cage, crashing down onto Jessamine Duke with a flying crossbody from the top of the cage down to Duke in the ring. That was a Moa Mia and an OMG moment there. Then, in another holy shit moment of the night, Io Shirai recovers enough to execute her moonsault from the top of the cage. So now we get a moonsault from the top of the cage from Io Shirai onto Shayna Baszler back inside the ring. There's loud NXT chants from the uh, full sale crowd after them two spots. Shirai very nearly exits the cage through the open door, but Baszler clamps on the Carafuda clutch once again, this time underneath the bottom rope preventing Io Shirai from uh, exiting um, until Io is able to grab hold of the cage that was previously kicked open, knocking the referee down from earlier on in the match. This time, Io slams the door backwards onto the head of her opponent. However, in doing so, she knocks Baszler out or knocks her silly, causing Baszler to not only release her hold from Io Shirai, which I think was the intended purpose from Shirai in the first place, but so much so that Baszler was actually knocked out of the ring falling out of the ring to retain her women's championship wow so another amazing match that had everything in it yeah drama action amazing dives from the top of the cage a moonsault from the top of the cage but that wasn't the end um as in you know an, in another shocking moment as if you didn't have enough drama in this match Io Shirai then attacked Candice LeRae from out of nowhere so one moment these two are friends are buddies Candice LeRae has uh, kind of been by Io's side for the last few months and has uh, been there uh, in all of her encounters with the horsewomen and with Shayna Baszler in particular to help her um, but uh, Io attacks Candice LeRae um, out of anger out of frustration um she then punches and kicks Candice, and for a moment you kind of think that Io Shirai appears remorseful for her actions. Um, that was until she goes back out of the ring 
and grabs the steel chair from underneath the ring to add further punishment to Candice with a series of steel chair shots before delivering a brain buster onto the setup chair in the middle of the ring. Uh, Candice LeRae uh, gets uh, dropped on her head on the steel chair um, and uh, as the the, the ringside uh, yeah, the fans for sale uh, boo Io Shirai quite heavily um, Shirai says that she doesn't need friends and uh, there we have it Io Shirai is now a heel she's not the NXT champion she lost uh, once again to Shayna Baszler in this really really dramatic and exciting steel cage match um, hell of a match hell of a match um, wasn't expecting the heel turn uh, but some great action so uh, a brilliant in fact an excellent episode of NXT from the opening match with Joaquin World and uh, Angel Garza through to the, the you know the dominant squash match from Keith Lee in this excellent main event and the heel turn to cap it all off uh, yeah a really good episode of NXT a really good episode of NXT UK you're not going to be too far short of uh, uh, you know excellent um, with uh, with any of these two shows they're only an hour apiece um, so definitely worth your time if you haven't started watching NXT UK yet you've got to watch NXT UK it's uh, up there with NXT and 205 Live and all kind of the best parts of uh, WWE at the moment it's right up there NXT I would say is the cream of the crop the number one show to watch on a weekly basis NXT UK isn't too far behind and if you want an introduction to what NXT UK is all about then watch um, NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool from January hell of a show hell of a main event so, uh, yeah, that pretty much sums up this episode of the Wrestling With Jonas podcast. Looks like a really good episode of NXT UK, really good episode of NXT. Um, at the beginning of the show, you heard my thoughts on the Will Ospreay and Seth Rollins Twitter exchange and the new Raw and SmackDown uh, executive director's roles for uh, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, respectively. And we look forward to seeing some really fun and exciting uh, changes to the main products, the main roster product in the weeks and months to come. I certainly hope so, and we'll keep you up to date here on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. So that's pretty much it for another episode. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed it, and if you did, please, as, as I like to say, please don't forget to hit like, uh, subscribe, uh, shout about, and, and share this uh, podcast. Tell your friends and tell your family, and keep listening to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT UK, NXT, WWE, AEW, Progress Wrestling, New Japan, uh, whatever it is that's happening in uh, the world of wrestling. Um, I like to keep you guys up to date, and don't forget that you can reach out to us on social media. Our Twitter page, our handle is at with Jonas underscore pod on instagram just go out and find us wrestling with jonas and of course we are wrestling with jonas our facebook group so just search for wrestling with jonas on facebook uh, without you continuing to share and subscribe and shouting about this podcast and telling people um, all the good things that we do here on the wrestling with jonas podcast we can't continue to grow and be successful so hit like and subscribe now people please just do it tell your friends in the meantime, that's all from me. Um, I will pick it up with you uh, this time next week where we'll talk more NXT and NXT UK with some really good matches to look forward to. So uh, in the meantime, take care and speak to you all soon.